You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Thank uh, Nashville recording artists Crosby Lane for allowing us to use their song uh, Crucified. And you can find that on their uh, CD produced by Mansion Entertainment. Uh, it's by the same name, Crucified. This is a fantastic CD. And if uh, we do encourage you to go uh, check out Crosby Lane uh, whenever they're in your area, you can go to CrosbyLane.com and find out more about their music. And so, uh, once again, this will be the new theme song, and I'm excited about it. I love the song, love the group. Uh, John and uh, Michaela uh, Lamanis were the writers of the song. And, uh, again, they just do a wonderful job. Tanya, uh, let's see here, Tanya, uh, she is the one, Tanya Rose is the one who sings uh, the songs. She has the vocals. Uh, she actually had to uh, quit the group not long ago, uh, there's a new lady by the name of Savannah who's playing with him. She does an excellent job as well. Uh, but Tanya had to uh, quit the group for personal reasons, and obviously we want to remember her. And she has a beautiful voice. Every single member of the group has a wonderful voice, beautiful voice. And so, again, we want to thank uh, especially John Lamanis uh, for allowing us to uh, use his song on the podcast. Uh, this is actually, like I said, the first episode where we use the podcast. And uh, on this episode, this Wednesday episode, uh, we are going to uh, give you the message of the week as we normally do on Wednesday evenings or Wednesday afternoons. Uh, And we're continuing our study in a series called Ecclesia, all about the church. And already in this uh, this series, we've spoken about the mission of the church. We've spoken about um, the people of the church and uh, the importance of of the people, the role that the people play in the church, what the church is all about. We've also discussed the roles of the pastor and deacons, what they're supposed to do. And then, uh, so uh, now we're starting the last leg of our journey as we look at the two ordinances. And our next message we'll talk about, or week after next, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, importance of uh, communion 
And next week, we may bring a special Mother's Day message. And in fact, we may have a couple podcasts coming up next week as we're going to have a special episode featuring a good friend of mine, Dennis Shaw, and a message that he preached. Uh, he filled in for me and brought a wonderful message in the book of Proverbs. So that's forthcoming as well. Uh, so we do encourage you to join us as we uh, look at God's Word. We're going to be talking about baptism today, and we encourage you to uh, tr- uh, to uh, join us as we talk about the story of Philip meeting the Ethiopian eunuch and also looking at Romans chapter 6. So join us now for this message already in progress. Amen. Wonderful job, Ashley. We are uh, on target today as we continue our uh, study in the called Ecclesia, all about the church. We're uh, studying a, uh, a different aspect. Through this, through this series, we've been talking about different aspects of the church. We've talked about the, the mission of the church. We spoke of the Great Commission. We talked about the people of the church and how each and every person in God's family... They have gifts, they have talents, they have abilities. All of us have a place at God's table. And aren't you thankful for that? You know, uh, Christianity is not, uh, not a lone wolf project by any stretch of the imagination. It's something we do as a community. And uh, that's definitely a blessing from the Lord. And we also have uh, talked, spoke about the uh, different roles, the positions in the church, the role of the pastor, uh, the role of the deacons, and now we, as we conclude our series, we want to look at two other things pertaining to the church. And that's the two uh, ordinances that we have in Baptist life. Uh, we're going to talk about baptism today. Next week we're going to give a special Mother's Day message. Because believe it or not, next Sunday is Mother's Day. It's hard to believe it's already here. But next Sunday is Mother's Day. And then the week after that we'll conclude our series uh, as we talk about communion. Uh, which is which should be another wonderful thing. You know, we often take the bread and we take the uh, the juice, but do we ever really really think about uh, what we're doing and what that symbolizes? So we're going to talk about that in our final uh, message in this series. Now today we're going to be coming from two passages of Scripture. We're going to be looking at uh, Acts chapter eight, verses thirty-four through forty. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Apostle Philip, and I was uh, thankful for our own Philip uh, this morning for for reasons you'll have to ask me about after the service is over. But uh, we're really blessed to have Philip as part of the Huntsville family. But, uh, but we're going to read about the Apostle Philip in Acts chapter 8, verses 34 through 40. And then we're going to turn over to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. So we encourage everyone to who can and is able to, to please stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. Acts chapter 8, verses 34 through 40. So we find in uh, chapter 8, verse 34. So the eunuch, uh, this is an Ethiopian eunuch uh, of a great authority we see back in verse 27, under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, he was returning and sitting in a chariot, we see in verses 27, 28 through 29. And following, we see that the, Philip, uh, that the Spirit of the Lord uh, said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. Go near and talk to this man in the chariot. So we, uh, we see that this, this eunuch is reading a passage of Scripture from Isaiah chapter 53. And so in verse 34, the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of some other man? 
Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Philip baptized the eunuch. So now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and um, passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now let's take a look uh, at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And when you're there, let me hear you say amen. amen. Paul writes, What shall we then say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized unto his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin." For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the bountiful blessings you've bestowed upon us. And Lord, we just ask this morning that you allow me to speak the words of truth in clarity and with boldness. We ask, Lord, that you would uh, open, uh, uh, that you would allow me to say the words that need to be spoken and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, we ask, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that we will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. On a plaque marking Abraham Lincoln's birthplace near Hodgenville, Kentucky, is, is recorded at this scrap of conversation that took place around the birth of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, the conversation goes of one individual saying, Any news down at the village, Ezra? The other individual, Ezra, responds saying, Well, Squire McLean's gone to Washington to see Madison sworn in. And old Spellman tells me that this Bonaparte fellow has captured most of Spain. What's new out here, neighbor? Nothing, nothing at all except for a new baby born to Tom Lincoln. Nothing ever happens out this way. Well, little did he know that that little baby would become one of the greatest presidents in the United States of America. This baby that he just passed off as being just old Tom Lincoln's baby, nothing, nothing of no importance, turned out to be a, what would be a great man of God, a great president of the United States of America. 
A lot, of, a lot of times, we, we, is, we look at baptism in different lights. Now, there are some denominations that elevate baptism to the level and degree of being essential for salvation. But we never see that in the Scriptures. In fact, what we always see is we see that, that uh, as Jesus says in uh, John chapter 3, that the, the eternal life comes from the newness that a person has in through the Spirit of God. It's that transforming faith that happens through the grace of Almighty God. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing you can do to work for salvation. You just can't. Because you have to be a perfect person all your life, never thinking anything wrong, never doing anything wrong, never saying anything wrong. And folks, how many of you have even been able to pass that this morning? Anybody? I sure haven't. And most of us, day by day, we, we, we sin every single day that goes on. The only way that we can be saved is by the salvation we find in through Jesus Christ, through the atoning work on the cross, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But on the other hand, we have to understand that we as Baptists hold that baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation. In other words, what we're doing is a symbolic act showing the world that we have been saved. Romans 10, 9, Paul writes that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That confession is part of our salvation. Not that we're saved by merely confessing to the world, but it shows the world that we have been saved. That faith that we have in Christ works in our hearts. It transforms us. It changes us. And if folks, if you're excited about that, you just can't keep it to yourself. Amen? You just got to go tell somebody. As we've been going through on Wednesday nights, the miracles of Jesus, Jesus would tell people. He would heal them. And He would say, now listen, let's not go spread this around right now because the time's not yet. Did they, were, they, were they faithful in that? No, they couldn't stop but telling people about what the Lord had done. They couldn't keep it within themselves. So baptism is this symbolic expression of this inward transformation that has happened in our lives. And in Acts chapter 8, we come across a story about this Ethiopian eunuch. This eunuch is a man. Uh, eunuchs are individuals who serve the queen. Uh, and, uh, well, let's just call a spade a spade. These individuals were castrated so that they would not have any temptations with the queen. So he had already a whole lot to be com to complain about, amen? <laughs> I'm sure most of the guys in here will be singing a few octaves higher at, uh, at the invitation just thinking about that. But, uh, but the fact is, I mean, you know, he, he, this is what his job was. He was an Ethiopian eunuch. He was the caretaker of the queen. All right, and so but he read this passage of scripture in Isaiah 53, and he was convicted, wanting to know who was this scripture about. And Philip came along, led by the Spirit of God, and he said, "Sir, I'm going to tell you who this who this passage of scripture about is about. It's about Jesus of Nazareth. And let me tell you a little bit about Jesus." And he goes through this conversation. He goes through this conversation, and um, at the, by the end of it, this Ethiopian eunuch receives Christ as his Savior. And they come across a body of water. And he says, well, Philip, there's some water right over there. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip asks him a question. He says, do you believe that the Lord Jesus is your Savior? And he confesses that he does believe that he's been transformed by the grace of God. And so by that, they baptize. Baptism 
is a symbolic identification. But folks, it has five different things, five different powerful things that it identifies. When we go under the water to be baptized, these are five powerful symbols that we find, and we encourage you to follow along in the insert of your bulletin. Number one, baptism identifies us with faith in Christ. As we've already recognized, as we've already mentioned, this Ethiopian eunuch realized that this passage of Scripture in Isaiah 53 was about someone very important, and he wanted to know who it was about. And so Philip explains to him that it's about Jesus and how Jesus fulfilled the Scriptures, not only probably in Isaiah 53, but throughout all the Old Testament, all the Hebrew Bible. He explained how Jesus of Nazareth was the fulfillment of the Father's plan. And so immediately after Philip received the Lord Jesus as his Savior, he wanted to follow through with baptism because he realized that this was a symbolic outward profession of his inward faith, the inward faith that he had in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times we, we think about baptism, and I'll be the first to admit, I swim like a rock. So when it comes to water outside of a shower or a bath, I get a little bit uh, a little leery if I'm going underwater for any length of period of time. And it didn't help that my jokester of a grandpa told me when I was going to be baptized at the age of seven, well, son, don't worry about it. I'll only hold you down to you until the bubbles stop. <laughs> grandpa, that's not easing my nerves at all, you know. And that's what he said. I'll only hold you down long enough for the bubbles to stop, and then I'll bring you back up. But now, obviously, he did a wonderful job with my baptism. But you know, I was nervous going in the baptismal waters. It was down there in the Dan River. I was, uh, I was worried about this because I'm not a good swimmer. And I had all these things going through my mind. What if Grandpa drops me? What if they lose hold of me and I start drifting down the river? Where am I going to end up? I don't even know where the river goes to. Where am I going to end up? You know, as a kid, all these things go through your mind, you know. But it really wasn't that bad at all. In fact, it was a beautiful thing. I still remember, remember things about that uh, taking place even though I was seven years old. But you know, we have to ask ourselves this question. What does baptism cost us? You know, for us, we have a beautiful baptistry here at Huntsville. We can fill it up. Philip does a wonderful job and the deacons do a wonderful job of heating it up. Boy, I tell you what, you don't even have to worry about it being cold. It was cold there in the Dan River, I'm going to tell you. But you don't even have to worry about that anymore. You come here, you're baptized, it's nice, it's comfortable, have no worries whatsoever. But understand in some nations, if you're baptized and you make this public profession towards others, you, you have a hit being taken out on your life. In places in the Middle East, in places in Asia, in Africa, if, if you receive Christ and you are publicly baptized, then many people want to kill you after doing that. Do you think that stops people from doing this? Not at all. They are so convicted in the transformation that they've had in their life, they want the world to know. Both the persecutors, the antagonists, and the faithful alike. They want the world to know that they have been saved. So if you're here today and you've never been baptized, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? As it is right now, we live in a culture where we can freely practice our religion. There's no persecution. There may be a few th things here and there. But as it stands right now, what stops you from being baptized? If you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what stops you from going under the water and, and this identification with Christ? Number two, baptism identifies us, as Ashley mentioned a while ago, with death in Christ. 
As you go under the waters, you are representing that you are identifying yourself with the death of Jesus. Paul in uh, verses 3 and 4, look what he says. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We talk, we talk about, uh, he talks about here about uh, the old man being dead and the new man being alive. Uh, the, the, this transformation that happens in our lives, that we put off the old man, we put on the new man that only comes through this salvation we have in Jesus Christ. And that's one thing we have to understand. When we go under the water, that's why uh, you know, different places practice different things. But that's why immersion is the most biblical form of baptism. It really is. That's the way Jesus was baptized. That's the baptism that John the Baptist did. Uh, now, over time, the church accepted other means as it became necessary. But the biblical method is by immersion. Because when you go under the water, you're identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. You're identifying that you have died with Christ as you go under the water. And so that's the identification we have. And beloved, a lot of times... We, we, we don't really think about this death of the old man. I want to thank uh, Dan and Virginia. They built us, Dan did a wonderful job in building us a cross to put back. We're building a patio area in the back and making it into a, a, like a prayer garden back there. And uh, he made us a cross. And I told Grace, and I think that thing was regulation size. That thing is heavy. Let me tell you, that thing is heavy. And yesterday as, uh, as I went to pick up the cross and brought it back home, I, I took it off and, and I thought, well, I'm going to try this. And sure enough, I did. I put the cross on my shoulders and I carried it over to the prayer gardens where we were going to put it. And my mind just instantaneously went back to Christ. Here he was. He didn't have a stitch of clothing on. This thing was pressing upon my shoulder. But he didn't have a stitch of clothing on. He had been beaten. He had been scourged. His skin was sore. It was bruised. He was carrying this massive cross upon his shoulders until he reached the point. In fact, he collapsed under the weight of the blood loss. He collapsed in the process of doing this. But he did it for you and for me. The Bible says he could have called down legions of angels to come and save him, but he didn't do that. He chose to go to the cross for you and for me. Brothers and sisters, that's something to celebrate. Amen? That you have a Savior that loves you so much that even though He didn't have to do that, He could have called down armies of angels and eliminated Rome right then and there, but He chose to go through the pain of death so that you would have life. Well, I don't know about you, but I think I want to identify with that. And the baptismal waters allow us to do just that. As we go down under the water, we identify with the death of Jesus. Now, I've been a little bit... Uh, lenient on this. I've, I've had some people before who were just deathly afraid of water. And let me just tell you that they didn't want to go all the way down under because they were so deathly afraid of water. And I told them, I said, listen, I'll keep your nose up. How about that? I'll keep your nose up. You know, I'll get you down. But even still, I think it still counts. You know, I think it still counts. But as we go under the water, we're identifying with the death of Jesus Christ. And what a great identification we have in and through that. In verse 11, Paul also notes that the believer must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in God, in Christ Jesus. In Matthew 10, 38, Jesus says that we must carry our cross. Those who don't carry their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. We are dead to self and alive in Christ. And this salvation means that we put away the old man and the new man lives. Number three, 
Baptism identifies us with life in Christ Jesus. Jesus says in John 3, 5, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He's talking about the inner working of salvation that takes place, that goes on. We see in Romans 6 and verses 4 and 5, he says, We were buried with him through baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. You see, the fact is, like Grandpa, He didn't leave me down under the water. And believe you me, I won't leave you under the water either. But you come back up. And by doing that, there's this association with the new life we have in Christ. That the old man is dead, but the new man is alive. We associate with His resurrection understanding that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, one day, praise the Lord, so shall we also be raised from the dead. That means all the saints of God behind us uh, here at Huntsville Baptist Church in our graveyards, one day they'll be raised to life. That means one day my grandparents and your loved ones and many great saints of God, Ruth, Baby, George, and many others, and Melissa's dad and many others. I can't wait to have a good conversation with him when we get to heaven. What a great man of God he was. All these great saints of God will be raised from the dead. Praise God, that's a wonderful blessing, isn't it? To know that death has not won, but that we have been transformed by the grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm very thankful for Bob Legg. Are you thankful for Bob Legg? Yes. Now that was weak. Are you thankful for Bob Legg? Yes. Now you just had his barbecue one more time. Are you thankful for Bob Legg? Yes. All right, there you go. That's a little better. I had a wonderful chance to have some conversations, wonderful conversations with Bob uh, Thursday and Friday morning. And he told me about a gentleman. In fact, I believe we met when I was down at First Baptist Sunset Harbor. I really believe we met when I was down there when he was working in Southport. But he told me about a gentleman by the name of Lee Alfred Locklear. And you talk about somebody who the Lord got a hold of. Boy, the Lord got a hold of this man. He, uh, Bob was telling me that I think it's Mount Airy Baptist Church there in Pembroke, if I'm not mistaken, that he has a house, uh, right? Uh, his house, his face is actually where the cemetery is. I actually looked it up this morning. Had him on my mind strong this morning. And I looked it up, and sure enough, you can see his house just right behind where the cemetery is. He donated a lot of land to the church. But one day, I believe Bob said, correct me if I'm wrong here, Bob, I think he was 85 years young. 85. 85. And the Lord got a hold of his heart. He had been a drunk for many years, I believe Bob said, and uh, said that he would put down, I, I, how, many, how much did you say? He And you never know it. You never know it. But Bob was telling me that one day he met Jesus. And just like that, correct me here if I'm wrong here, Bob, just like that, God took every bit of it away from him. In fact, Bob was telling me when he came to join the church, they even waited on his baptism to make sure is he legit what he said. And sure enough, he was. God took it away just like that. And he never drunk a drop ever since that time. Beloved, if God can do that, and Lee Alfred uh, Locklear, I keep getting his last name wrong there, Locklear, brother and sister, he can do that to you. Amen? 
God can get a hold of your heart and transform you and make you into somebody new, beloved. And that's what we celebrate when we come back up out of the baptismal waters. That we're, we're dead to the old man, but we're alive in the new man by the grace and power and mercy of Almighty Jesus Christ. And we're so thankful for that. Number four, baptism identifies us with cleansing through Jesus Christ. The cleansing we have. And we see this in chapter 6, verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. You know, brothers and sisters, we do things wrong all the time. I'll be the first to admit I'm not perfect. You know, uh, I have the title reverend, but I don't always feel so reverent, you know. And I realize that I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God, just like everyone else is. But, beloved, we have the wonderful freedom in knowing that our sins have been atoned. That we have been cleansed from all wrongdoing. Paul says that a person who has died is freed from sin. He also tells Titus that Christ saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. Now I'm a little bit weird. I can't go to bed if I haven't had a shower or bath. I've tried it once before, and I was up itching all night. I just, just I couldn't stand it. I was just scratching all over. And I found that one night I did this. I've been working and doing something, and I started itching. And I got up about 2 o'clock in the morning, so I can't take this anymore. And I got to the shower in the middle of the night and went back to bed and slept like a baby. I just can't go to bed if I feel dirty. I just feel itchy. I just feel grimy. I just can't sleep well. Praise God, through the salvation we have in Jesus Christ, we can know that we have been cleansed by the grace of God. You don't have to dwell on the sins of yesteryear, beloved. You know what? You messed up somewhere sometime. Guess what? We all have. But praise God, by the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, you've been cleansed from those wrongdoings. You don't have to keep beating yourself up over something that happened years ago. Accept and receive the forgiveness in Christ and, and accept that newness that comes through His salvation. And you'll be changed. You'll be transformed. You won't be perfect right now, but one day you will be, praise God, and you'll be made, as you're being made in the image of Christ Jesus our Lord. Number five, baptism identifies us with the community of Christ. Did you realize that if you come to Christ Jesus, you belong to one of the greatest families in history? Now, I'm, I'm pretty strong feelings. I have strong feelings about my family. And I know you do as well. But you know what? We belong to an even greater family. We belong to the family of God. Aren't you glad about that? You have a family that's unbelievable. Friends, when we take a look at Romans 6, verses 1 and 2, so what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin? Uh, grace may abound. Certainly not. How shall we who died live in sin any longer? Notice he says we. He's including himself in that. He also says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, the body of Christ, but also in the community of Christ. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul also identifies with Christ, uh, with the community in Ephesians 4, 4-6, by saying there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. Folks, when you go through the waters of baptism, 
you're identifying with every other person in history who has gone through those waters as well. You're identifying with the early church as they went under the water. You're identifying with Jesus, most importantly, as He went through the waters of baptism. You're identifying with John the Baptist. You're identifying with Peter, James, and John and all the apostles. You're identifying with the early church. You're identifying with the second and third century church. You're identifying with the Byzantine saints of God, the medieval saints of God, the saints of the Reformation period of time, the saints of the Age of Enlightenment, the colonial saints, the saints before the time of the Civil War, the saints after the Civil War, the saints of the 1900s, and the saints of the global church today. You're identifying with every single person who has confessed and professed the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You become identified with that body of saints. And I don't know about you, but that just makes me excited to know that we're not doing this just on our own, but that we're identifying with many saints of bygone years who have made that same profession of faith. We're identifying with Lee Alfred Lockleaf, who at 85 received Christ as his Savior. We're identifying with every single person who has went under those waters. That's why it's important that we are baptized. No, baptism doesn't save us. We're saved by grace through faith. But when we go up in this, in this section back here, we go up to the baptistry, or we go down by the river, and we're baptized. Folks, it means a lot. What we're doing is something we shouldn't take lightly, but it means a lot. It means that we are associating with the people of God. And beloved, let me tell you something here today. You may be here, but you may not be a member of this church. I mean, just, just stress and emphasize to you the importance of becoming part of the body. I mean, you're already family, obviously, but becoming associated with the body of the family that we have here, becoming associated with the body of Christ, it's a very important thing. Because we have several things that you can do. You don't believe me? Ask the nominating committee coming up. Amen, Phil? Coming up here pretty soon. You know, they're, they're going to be asking for volunteers to do, to do different things. We should never volunteer anyone or, or volunteer anyone. It should be a volunteering thing that we do. We don't have to come to church. We get to come to church. We don't have to be part of the body of Christ. We have the honor and privilege of being part of the greatest family in all of history, which is the family of God. Amen? Hey, oh, that was weak. Amen? Amen. We are part of the body of Christ. Lucy Shaw writes in her book, God in the Dark. She says, I stood at our window one Saturday afternoon and looked west. The sun was low, shining along the surface of the deep snow. A strong wind blew over the icy crust and carried snow particles along in its eddies. It made the wind visible in a curiously beautiful way. Like a fast-moving river of light with the snow dust catching and holding the glints from the sun, she says, I think the Spirit of God is made visible in the individuals in our life stream. God shines on them and shows us in their lives the way the wind is blowing. And I think this is most effectively seen through baptism. As a person identifies with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they go under the waters identifying with His death. They come up from the waters identifying with His life. And they exit as they take part of the cleansing that's happened in and through Christ. And they identify with the community of the Lord Jesus Christ. Theater hid down every eye closed. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Baptism is important, but the first step is to receive Jesus as Savior and God.
If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you may say, you may give every reason under the sun why not to come. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus loves you with all of His heart. And knowing that He is an eternal being, knowing He has no past, present, future, He is eternal through and through, that means a lot for Jesus to love you as He does. He came to this world to die for your sins. And if you had been the only one, He would still have done it. Beloved, if you're you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, why don't you come down and receive Him before it's eternally too late? You say, Preacher, you don't know the things I've done. I don't need to know the things you've done. Because you know what? Jesus does. He already will forgive you for them if you'll just come and repent and ask His forgiveness. And He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you may, you may be here today, and I've actually, in some of the churches I've ministered, I've, I've had people who've come to faith, but they've never been baptized. Maybe you want to publicly demonstrate to everyone the love and salvation you have in and through Jesus Christ, and maybe you want to come and you want to be a candidate for baptism. We encourage you to do that. Or maybe you want to come join the family here at Huntsville Baptist Church. Beloved, I can guarantee you everybody would welcome you with open arms. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and life this morning, I just ask that you would be responsive to the Spirit's call and we would follow Him, whatever He's calling you to do. And you know what? There may be some individuals, as we've talked about, pastors and deacons and things of this nature, it may be that we have some people here today who God is calling to do a particular task. Maybe you want to come down and you want to pray about that. Maybe you just want to take a leap of faith and say, I think God's calling me to do something. And we want to just, just to simply pray for you. Whatever God's doing in your heart, we just ask for you to come and be responsive to the Spirit's call. Dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and compassion. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be loved by you, Lord, because if you didn't love us, we wouldn't even have any opportunity to even love you. If you didn't call us and you didn't grant to us that salvation, we would never even have a chance of being saved. So we thank you first and foremost for the love and compassion you have for us. And Lord, I don't know the reason why this series was meant to be brought. I don't know the reason why this message was needed to be delivered, but I know that you do. And I just ask, Lord, that, that, that you work in and through each and every person that's here this morning. And that you would have your will and your way this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection? Number 275, I surrender all. Views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lamanis, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment.
Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Be sure to also catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We thank you for joining us on the podcast today. May God bless you, and we'll see you back next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.